I want to talk to you this morning about hope, and two for two reasons. The first reason is that during the Christmas period, hope is something that Christians talk about a lot. Uh, because it is an incredibly hopeful time for us. We have a savior who has come down to earth, who took on the form as a baby, uh, and then grew up to become a man who did incredible miracles that are recorded in the Bible, but also in many other manuscripts and documents and scrolls that, uh, that have been found, thousands of them documenting every single thing that he did. There's more evidence that Jesus existed than there is Julius Caesar existed. That is how incredible the, the amount of uh, documentation we have that proves who he is. And, and honestly, that gives me so much hope of this person that came down to die for my sins and came with a specific person, purpose. Sorry, But there's a second reason I want to talk about hope is because hope itself, as a concept has taken a bit of a battering over the last few years. Would you agree? It's taken a bit of a battering. The, the world, in, in a way, seems a little bit hopeless. And to be hopeless means, quite simply, that there's just a lack of hope in what is to come and what is where we are heading as a, as a, as a people, as humans, as kind of different cultures around the world. And I think after COVID and all that finished, there was, this, there was this anticipation that we would start and we would come to a place of a new normal. Do you remember that phrase? Everyone's talking about the new normal. Actually, the new normal is just like normal. It's just like we've reverted right back to how everything was before COVID. It's, nothing's really changed. The only thing that has changed which some of you are yes about, is that maybe you don't have to go into the office quite so much. But most other things have stayed exactly the same because we've got back to almost this, the place that we were before. I think the world was hoping that there would be some huge reset, that someone would hit a button and automatically humankind or mankind would go back to how they're meant to be, their best part, their caring and their kindness and their... You know, all these words that are flying around about tolerance and love and be kind to everyone. I walked past a guy wearing a T-shirt uh, yesterday, which was a bit confusing in a way. It, was, it, it said, be kind to everyone. The two was underlined. And I thought, that's a really, of all the words to underline in that sentence, two was the one that was underlined. I didn't understand that. But it's be kind to everyone. And I get it. Like, we want to do that. And even those of you here who, have, who know Jesus, Jesus is your savior, you want to be kind to people. And even many people that don't know Jesus, we want to be kind. I get that. It's great. But the issue is that we have is not what we're hoping for. We're hoping for a world that is full of, of kindness and goodness and, and love and all those things. We're hoping for that. That's not bad. But when you're hoping for something, you also have to hope in something. Because the in is what is going to bring that to fruition. Right? So I can hope as much as I want for fishing gear for Christmas. But I have to hope in my wife and my kids to have picked up the amount of hints that I have laid down with no <laughs> uncertain terms as to what I want for Christmas. 
okay? Even to the extent that she was like, um, we'll go to the mall and we'll find daddy's presents and kids have a budget and all that sort of stuff. And we're like, oh, this is good. And I'm like, when the backs are down, I'm like, this. And she's like, oh, really? Like, yeah, that's what I want. So, but I have to hope for that in something else, okay? It's not, we can't just throw out a random hope and think, oh, it's just going to come to being. There, there was a, um, a, a charity that I read about that it's the aim of the charity is to spread hope because they recognize, and quite rightly, that hope is a powerful thing in the world. And they said they defined hope as, a, um, as positive feelings towards an end goal and intentional action to meet that goal. So it's like, okay, I have a hope, I take a step towards it in terms of my actions, and I feel really positive about it. But actually, that ends up being that what you're hoping for actually means that you're hoping in yourself because it relies on your feelings. It relies on your actions to bring that about. So in the end, if our hope is not placed in something else, our hope ends up being placed in ourselves. And as we've seen, not to put too damp a note on things, we're not the best people to hope in sometimes, right? I know if I put my hope in myself to be a better person, then I'm going to get really disappointed. And if, honestly, if Tish puts her hope in me to be a better husband, she's going to get really disappointed. Because it's not me that makes me a better husband, is it? I can't make myself a better husband. Someone has to work in me to do that. So what we put our hope in is so incredibly important. And if we don't put our hope in the right thing, a poet called George Sephiris, he's a Greek poet, modern-day poet, he says this. He says that when we don't put our hope in the right thing, it's like we are putting to sea again with our broken oars. And it's this idea that if our hope is not in the right thing, then we will go out into life and we have no choice but to do it, even knowing that our oars are broken, knowing that we're not going to be able to get where we want to go because our hope's not in the right thing. And it's actually really similar to the story of the, of the nativity. There's two characters who are, who are in actually quite hopeless situations, if you look at it, really, You've got Jesus, the main character, the one that we've been waiting for for centuries, the one that God spoke about when he spoke to Abraham and said, I will bless all peoples through your line. And Jesus comes, Christ, the anointed one, but he's born in a damp, cold stable to a teenage girl who is not yet married. He is born and placed in a manger, a cattle's likely, as we read earlier, we saw earlier, a feeding trough. He is put in what seems like a hopeless place, and if that's not hopeless enough, he also has a sociopath hunting him down, trying to kill him. That's, hope. that's a hopeless situation. That's a tough situation. But we also have Mary. Mary is put in what many would consider a hopeless situation. She, as I said, she is a young teenage girl, and she has this baby living inside her when she's not married. And in that culture, the shame to have that when she's not married would have been almost overwhelming. We see that in a lot of modern-day Middle Eastern culture. 
if there's pregnancy outside of wedlock, that is, that is a really, really big deal and brings shame not just on her, but on her family. And she comes into this place because an angel appears to her and says, Mary, you are going to bear the son of the God most high. You're going to bear the son of the God most high. And she falls pregnant by the Holy Spirit and she's carrying this baby and her response to the angel, which I think is really, really interesting, her response to the angel, this bright, shining man, the angel Gabriel, who appears before her, her response is, whatever the Lord wills it, I will do it. Which is almost, it's, it's a really good response, and it is an obedient response, but it's kind of like, I'm here, I'm ready. But it's not like, uh, yes, I'm going to do this. I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to go. I'm going to, oh, you know, she's not, she's like, whatever God wills it, I will do. And we could learn a lot from that. That's an amazing response. But it's not one filled with hope. It's not one where she feels like, oh, I'm really hopeful. Then in Luke's gospel, we see she takes a journey quite quickly. And one could guess maybe she finds out she's pregnant, she knows she's going to start showing soon, so she decides to go to another place. She takes a trip to see her cousin, I think it is, Elizabeth, her cousin. And we're going to pick up the story here, because I've got some verses I want to read you. And the thing I want you to focus on and hear is the hope and when her hope changes. It says this in Luke, two, uh, Luke uh, 1, sorry, 39 to 55. It says, in those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby, which turned out to be John the Baptist, who we see later in Scripture, the baby in, Mary's, in sorry, Elizabeth's womb leapt. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy, and blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord." And this is Mary's response. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his, and to his offspring forever. Amen. You see the difference in response. When she sees the angel, she says, Lord, I will do whatever God wills. But actually, when she, when she hears the testimony of Elizabeth saying, I know the baby leapt in my womb when you came in the door, her response changes. And it changes so dramatically that she, in that split second, in that short amount of time, she is able to find hope 
for herself. She says in, uh, in verse uh, 40, 46 and to 49, she says, For he's looked upon the humble estate of his servant. Um, my soul rejoices. My spirit rejoices. My soul magnifies the Lord. It says that he uh, will be, from now on, he will call me blessed in multitudes of generations. Isn't that an amazing thing? She says, not, after, not only for herself she finds hope, but she finds hope for others. She says that God is faithful and will be from generation to generation. In this split second, she realizes that what God spoke is real and what Jesus is coming. And when Jesus comes, he will bring hope to generation after generation. And lastly, she, she declares hope for the whole people of Israel. And this was a people of Israel that had not heard from God for hundreds of years. Hundreds of years. And yet Jesus comes on the scene and there's hope. For he has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. As he spoke to our fathers, fathers to Abraham and to his offspring forever. Her hope radically changes. From, by what? Is it? The fact that she's carrying the Savior in her, in her womb? Yeah, for sure. That has a huge effect. Is it the fact that she knows that this will be Emmanuel, God with us, that will come to do us? Definitely. That is the catalyst for this. But actually, the reason her hope changes is what Elizabeth says in verse 45. And she says, And blessed is she who believed that there would be fulfillment of what God has spoken to her from the Lord. She sees in Elizabeth's testimony the testimony that God is reliable and he can be hoped in. That's what she sees. She sees what was just an angel appearing, her responding obediently, Jesus in her womb, carrying this baby. What is going to happen to now Elizabeth's testimony to say, the baby leapt, I know that the, the mother of my Lord is with me. That one thing is like, I believe God for what he said now. Isn't that an amazing thing? That actually Jesus is our savior. Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. He is God in human form as a baby, but actually he is also the fulfillment of what God has spoken from Abraham and forever, that he will be a blessing to all families everywhere. Isn't that an incredible thing? And that gives me hope and should uh, hopefully cause us to give us hope to realize that not only are we celebrating Jesus today, but we are also celebrating that God is faithful and that when he says something, it will happen. And for me, oh, if there's one thing that this last year would teach me is that God is faithful when he speaks. And those of you that know our journey to come here to Australia, the years that we've been praying and seeking God and following him, not following anyone else. Not even, not even, and we said this to Mike and Lynn, we have a great relationship with them and they are lovely, but we didn't come here for them. We came here because God called us to come here. And he's fulfilled what he's spoken. And I'm sure all of you in many places, in many ways would testify to the same thing that actually what God has spoken, he does. And he's faithful to what he says. Isn't that an amazing thing? So I want us to leave here with hope to say actually that he is faithful 
that we can celebrate Jesus and we can glorify him and that gives us so much hope that God is reliable. So I want to leave you just with three verses. The first is, and it says it many times in Scripture, but it says that those who put their hope in the Lord will not be put to shame. If we put our hope in God, we will never be put to shame. The second is that he will always finish the good work that he starts within us, the work of salvation that he starts in our hearts. He said that, and he will do it. And we can take hope in that. And the last is this, Romans 15, 13, which I didn't realize, and I, well, I completely forgot, was actually Tisha's verse for the year, wasn't it? Romans 15, 13, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. And that's my prayer for you today. On Christmas Day, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. And that is a hope that spills up and over to other people.